Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode number 74, The Prospectors. The 49ers are coming to town, boys. I'm joined by my co-host Steve Collins, Anthony Fitzpatrick, and the all-pro Lions YouTuber, Luke G. How you doing, boys? What's going on? Doing well, thanks. All good. Sorry about the couple of minutes delay there and the numerous videos that are now up. The tech issues on this side, oh my god, you set a, a YouTube event and then you try and stream to that event and it's like oh we don't want to do that ah we're about to go live in two minutes why are you doing this to me but we're here all me and Ant are saying you had one job i know right i am here to facilitate your conversation we don't want to hear the excuses and <laughs> with our esteemed guest this evening i was expecting you to start off with a massive what up though you got you got to do it. It's the it's the it's the the Detroit greeting. You have to do it. What up, though? Okay, so Luke, just before I have to say before we start, um, so we have said that a few times on our podcast since we met you, and pretty much only because we've met you. And then we had a message on our Instagram page of a Detroiter who is not in Detroit right now. I can't remember exactly where he's living, but he said basically I started listening to your podcast, and then I heard you say that, and I was like. Oh my God, these guys get me. And, <laughs> and I just wanted to thank you for touching the hearts of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. And listen, it's, it's, it's how we greet each other for some strange reason. Like in, in certain other places, I can tell you how they greet them. But in Detroit, it's what up, though. What up, though, it is. Right. This is our first Thursday podcast of the season. We are previewing the 49ers coming to town, but we're going to start off with a little bit of news. Uh, all 53 guys were in practice on Wednesday, but only 52 today with Taylor Decker out of practice with a finger issue. It is suspected that he will be out of Sunday's game. We've already had Hawkinson talking up how good Matt Nelson is going to be. But if you, if you watch preseason, I would take that with a pinch of salt. There are a couple of other guys who were limited in practice. That's Brockers, Ombuzerike, Parker and Williams. They've been limited for the last couple of days, but um, MCDC is confident that Brockers is at least going to be starting. I'm worried about Parker, actually, for my for myself. Having your nickel corner, who's meant to be starting, who's had a great preseason, be slightly injured with a shoulder injury. Not ideal going into this game. Um, last bit of news I have, actually, is that the Lions reintroduced former head athletics trainer Kevin Bastin back to the role he left a couple of years ago after a, quite a few years here. So, I mean... Can't get much worse. I guess it could be the 49ers last year, but our injury troubles have plagued us for some time, boys. So what do you make of the um, injury reports, news on Swift and Brockers are ready to go for Sunday? That's the positive news. Um, I mean, it's a lot smaller list than it's been in previous years. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've literally had to dedicate an entire segment to some of our podcasts listing out all of the injuries there. I mean, you know, guys like Brockers and Onwuzarike, we know they've had little issues during the preseason anyhow, so I think it's not surprising 
they're just doing limited practice at the minute and they're probably just looking after them. So, you know, it, it is a big shame about Taylor Decker. Obviously, we're going to talk about the game later and the trenches are going to be a big part of that. But, you know, this is a time for someone to step up and say, I'm next. This is Dan Campbell's ethos. Everyone's here to do a job and, you know, it's an opportunity. We'll look at it as that instead of a, a disappointment that is out. Yeah, you've got to be careful as well with these things with uh, the, you know, blaming it on the coaches because San Francisco haven't just been the most injured team last year. It's been happening about th- the last three or four years. They've been, I think, one of the top three most injured players in terms of average games missed. And then they fired their strength and conditioning coach in 2019 and then the injuries got worse. So I just don't think you can kind of like put the finger on it sometimes. And I mean, if you look at like what's happening with the Ravens at the moment, you know, is that down to the staff or is that just bad luck? Who knows? Yeah. Um, one other bit of news, actually, as well. Javon McKinley's been waived from the practice squads and the Lions have signed offensive tackle Will Holden to the practice squad, probably on the back of this deck of news. Sorry, Luke, you're about to say. No, I mean, first of all, that news don't bother me not one bit. They're they they they're using the practice squad as a farming system, and if you get a guy who get dinged up or hurt, you make adjustments to it, and it is what it is. Uh, uh, McKinley was going to become expendable the moment they traded for uh, Hodge and 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 uh, Benson. So it is what it is. Um, I'm not as concerned about the injuries. I, I think the reason I'm not as concerned about the injuries. Is because, in all honesty, it's week one. It's it's week one. Everybody already picking for you to suck anyway and lose. Who cares if the person's out? You just got to go out and show the opposite anyway. You got to be the first one to say, you know what? I don't care if y'all are not picking me to win. I don't care if y'all don't believe I'm not going to win. I need to be able to have the guy that's taken over and been in that position understand this is your opportunity to earn you a spot. And you can do it by coming out and playing well. Because you're going to get tested by, well, at least one of their defenders. I don't think you're going to get tested by nobody else. I'm not, I'm not scared of D4. Um, and so Greenlaw and Fred Warner don't bother me as much in terms of run defense. So let my man rest. Let him relax. I was saying this even when I thought uh, that Swift was going to be out. Let them rest. It's not that. Listen, this team, the 49ers, is not as good as people are making them out to be. They're just not. And Shanahan's history is another reason why I feel confident in saying that, look, if he's not in, we're good to go. Oh, you raise, I think Luke, Luke raises a good point there. I mean, you know, you've got to believe in the players who are here. I mean, there's far too many people who are ready to write this season off and say that, you know, we're not going to do anything. But I mean, what does that do to the 53 players who you've picked to play for this team? You know, they're about to go and put their bodies on the line. They're about to do the best they can to win games. And for people to just turn around and say, well, yeah, I don't believe in you. You're not going to do that good. That doesn't do anything for you. You've got to get behind these guys and maybe, just maybe, they will surprise you. I mean, it's the start of the season. Let's, you know, at least try and keep the optimism there. Let's believe that these guys can come in and do their jobs. You know, at least give them a chance. Right. And and I, and I see a lot of people was like, yo, they're already going, Luke, you tripping, you crazy. I usually get those kind of comments. I'm used to them. But the reality is, what did you bring Matt Nelson in for? Matt Nelson's going to take over. If you're feeling like at some point in the game that Matt Nelson can't handle uh, the role of left tackle, move his ass to right, switch Sewell over to left. 
He's back at his natural home anyway and continue business as usual. We're not going to be passing a whole lot. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing somewhere between 25 passes, but I think we're going to be closer to 30, 32 rushes. I just, they're going to try to get those guys in the mix and get them in there. So yeah, I'm not concerned with it. I know Matt Nelson is a decent guy. He, I mean, he stopped Khalil Mack. So Bosa is better than Mack now. I mean, let's be honest. So We'll be okay. Yeah, okay, but it doesn't work quite like that, though, and you know it too. We've been talking about how quarterback wins in the stat, but one game where he had one good game against one of the best pass rushes in the league doesn't prove that over a 16-game season he's a good tackle. I will True. preface this by saying I think Matt Nelson can do it this week, but it's not... I think if Matt Nelson plays 16 games this year, that is very bad for us. Oh, for sure. But yeah. That's why he's a depth player. You know, we, you but, know. Okay, you but if it's bad over sixteen games, maybe he can like light it up this one game. But you would say more likely than not that he gets absolutely destroyed. Well, right? I think he, he's proven in his history that he can have good games, individual games, and that's why you have him there to step in as and when you need to. Obviously, he's not done great in preseason, which is poor. But in his last games in the league itself, he's been all right. But you know, you just. I know obviously losing Decker is not the best thing in the world. He's one of the best left tackles there, but we've just we've just got to go. We've still got good pieces on the offensive line. We've got tight ends we can put in to help. You know, Fels is in there to give him some support if he needs to. And as Luke says, we're going to be doing a lot of running of the ball. So if we can focus on keeping them out, putting the double teams in there, there is a path here. You don't just have to, you know, if, if we were passing, passing heavy, then you'd be concerned. But we're not going to be like that. I think the key thing is Bosa. Because after Bosa, there's a massive drop-off on that pass rush for the 49ers. Um, and so I think if you can find someone that can deal with Bosa, um, that probably takes away like a big chunk of their threat. Well, I mean, it's what we did with Chase Young last year. Tyrell Crosby absolutely mullered Chase Young last year when we played Washington. And after that, you know, Stafford wasn't got out all game. So if you put the plan out and stop the main guy... You've got a chance. I think that people write off San Francisco's line too quickly. And I don't mean that they're good. I don't mean outside of Bosa that they're good. But what I am saying is that for at least one whole season, each guy on that line has had a good season, apart from Kinlaw, who's only had one season. But you have a look at some of the guys I have on that line. They have proven that they can do it. We're saying, off the back of one game, Matt Nelson can do it. Well, these guys have had at least one good season. Now, I'm not saying that they're all going to bring it together on Sunday. And you know what? I don't believe they will. But are you telling me it's not likely or impossible that that happens? I think that that line could have a fantastic game for San Francisco, but it could be bad outside of Bosa. We just don't know. But the guys that are writing it off entirely are going to be surprised. So, you know, I don't think you can say anything categorically here. What I would say is it's far more important how our O-line plays, not how San Francisco's D-line plays. I think that's we the thing. We dictate it's, to them. I think that's the thing, just as the people who might be writing off their D-line are writing off our chance as well. It's like, you've got to see what happens first. You know, we do have the ability there to stop them, if possible. Obviously, it's not going to be easy, but if luck falls the right way, then we have a chance. I think that's it. They said, just don't write us off yet, even with this injury. Right. And, and the other part that you've got to look at is, is this. I, and I, and, and I, I always look at, there's always some type of history that helps me get to a certain point. 
The Packers just did the same thing. They lost Bakhtiari, however you pronounce his name, whatever his name is. They lost him, and they took a guy who was playing guard or center for them and moved him to left tackle. That just happened. No one is talking about it and saying, oh, what a downgrade. uh, Oh, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying, but most people are not. They're not looking at it um, like that and saying to themselves that this is what it is. And, you know, I I don't understand how that move can happen and the media don't panic and fans don't panic. But on this side of it, it happens. And it's like, oh, we dare move Sewell. To the left tackle, who's been practicing that right is bet. No, this listen. Everything this team is being built around is being ready for what the impossible, being ready for the unknown, being ready for the opportunity. And when you are being coached and prepared in that light, you are not caught off guard. Is it's it's like a military thinking in a way where let me prepare you for every possible outcome. So when you see it, you're not shocked. I really think that we're going to run the ball. I really think that when we when we do it without Taylor Decker, because there's a lot of people who hate Taylor Decker in, in the Lions fan base, that they're going to just turn around and be like, well, Decker is not there. We don't really need him. We can trade him or something. Because that's what they were talking about already. Trade Decker. Move Sue to the left. Let Matt Nelson be the right. Like, this is what they were talking about already. I just think outside looking in, right, outside looking in, we gonna be okay. I just really think we gonna be okay. And okay. I think you know, just to finish it off, our backfield is much better than it's been in recent years. There's a lot more depth there, a lot more ability to you know do trick plays. You know, just to get Talk overall to skill out of it. Talk so, to him. Yeah, exactly. You you know, if you come up with, you know, if if you're clever enough, you've got really good backs to utilize they're all you know the first two they're dual threat guys playing the slot whatever mix it up put two guys out there confuse them you just don't have to we're not going to be the bog standard offense that we had under patricia which was just so damn predictable you know that's gone now so that'll be in our favor as well so instead of run run pass we're going to have run 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 (laughs) i mean come on (laughs) hey it's the change hey goff might throw a 40 yard bomb first go you never know well, that's what he tried to do preseason game one, and it almost got picked. Remember, as long yeah, as they can run three point three yards per carry, who cares? Yeah, but that's that's different, though. You, <laughs> I know it was only a joke. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you definitely can't count preseason. However, I will say this: I will definitely say this. Many people are so caught up in all the greatness of the 49ers. They're missing some of those small greatness that's on the Lions, and I think that needs to be more discussed. We know that they got some players over there. We do too. But the difference is, is we know who their players are. Our players, we have an idea who they are, but I, I'm, I'm confident, based on what I've seen in film, that Levi Anzarike is who I thought he's going to be, and Derek Barnes is exactly who I thought he was going to be. Uh, and I think when it comes to receivers, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be who I thought he's going to be. So at the end of the day, I see a situation where the 49ers are going to have to try to get through their own history. That one in three record, excuse me, that one in three record on opening day. They got to get through that. Okay. That's Kyle Shanahan's history. A team that on average and opening day has 17 points. That's all on Kyle Shanahan. The defense giving up 22 points on opening day. That's all on Kyle Shanahan. And here's the best part about it. 
the best part about all of that when we go through there is to look at the fact that we got opening day after COVID, aka the illness, where now all of a sudden they have to like try to navigate through all this damn noise. And in Detroit, nobody gets loud like us, especially after a few beers have been in our system. I'm just putting it out there. Half the people coming in there are already partially drunk. Every game almost damn near across every sporting event has had at least one or two fights in the stands. It's about to be ridiculous. Good luck coming into our house with this kind of crowd and thinking you're just going to walk in and win. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Just want to quickly take some time to shout out the guys in the YouTube and Twitch chat. So, quick roll call in true Luke G style. What up, Doe, to Omar Pacheco, Demap Zoom, Rams House, Craig Bivin. We've got JGB, Lions Lee, Friendly Neighborhood Lions fan, SD Lion, Jimbo G, obviously Luke G is in the house, Frog Crop. Uh, we have got Domber, Tactile Puma 58. That's Great username. One Pride Forty. Uh, who else has joined us in the last few? Chris Carbor. Sorry if I butchered that. Hassis House Seven Ten. All you guys from the um, Luke G Discord. That is awesome stuff. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Broderick Burrell. Sorry if I've missed you out. Not a Lions fan, but like that too. Uh, God, it goes down my Marcel Edwards. Yo to you too. And then we've got Dan Pask and Ash Soden in the Twitch chat too. Thank you all so much for your comments and what have you. Um, Ram's House has <laughs> clapped back at my comment that these some of these guys have had one good season. And I just picked two, and I know they're the most high-profile ones, but they are the ones who's actually done it. Arakam says, as he said, has only had one good season in a few, but he has actually had one good season. That was the point. 2019 was only two years ago. It's the only healthy season he's had, and he posted a 90 PFF grade because he was unstoppable. He's only one season removed from that grade. D Ford has been fairly average through his career, but 2018, only two and a bit seasons ago, 88 grade per PFF. He was a nightmare to deal with in Kansas City before he moved over to San Francisco. The point was, they have proven they can do it, not that they will. That has been demonstrated. Now, you're going to say to me, well, they probably won't because on average, they haven't done through their career. I agree with you. I'm just saying, don't write them off because they've proven they can. That that was it. Jamie Collins was once a good player. Jamie Collins is still a good player. <laughs> Shut your hole. Well, well, he's, yeah, he's, he's not been as good as he was yeah, here yeah, for all the money yeah. we've paid him. So Yeah, the tiptoeing that he do, the, the lack of, like, he... I can tell you this much. He made a statement. Um, he made a statement to the effect of uh, with the players we have in here now, I guess I might have to start playing or something like that, right? Somebody had told me that, and I was like, what? So I went Googling, trying to find it, and sure enough, he made those damn comments, and that lets me know that he was so comfortable with his relationship with Matt Patricia that he knew that, hey, I don't really got to do too much. I ain't going nowhere. Because he all Matt Patricia was doing was tossing anybody who wasn't an expatriate out. So let's you know, I'm not going to make it sound like Jimmy Collins is killing it, but I do understand that when competition comes a little bit more of urgency, and I expect to see them have that same urgency and win. My man Speak Easy is in the building. What up, though? What up, though? Oh, man, we should get Speak Easy on to at some point. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? Uh, 
the the San Francisco team is so good at running the ball that I am so worried about that aspect of it. But there was an amazing point that I saw in the DLP Slack a um, couple of days ago, which was that on average, the run blocking grade per PFF for their O-line was something around 80 last year, 82, you know, elite grade. You turn that around to pass blocking, it's about 60. Average grade, biggest difference between pass blocking and run blocking in the league. If we can shut this run game down, because they can take players off the street and be effective. They don't care about who the running back is. It's all about that O-line. Trent Williams versus Romeo Aquara is one of the biggest battles in this game. Yeah, I mean, can, can we talk a bit about the O-line for yes. San Francisco? Yes. Um, and I mean, like, first of all, just going back to what you were saying about one good season, can we just remember... Carl Shanahan's only had one good season. One winning season in four. You know, he's won six games, four games. Then he won, had the 13-game season and then six games last year. So he's had three out of four losing seasons. The genius of Carl Shanahan. Let's have a look at the O-line. So this is an interesting stat. And this is something that very much gives our defence a bit of hope. In the last five years in the NFL... If you count back to the last season that Shanahan was at the Falcons and his four seasons with San Francisco, Shanahan's quarterbacks have been in the top five for quarterback hits, quarterback sacks and quarterback knockdowns in all five of those seasons. So basically, his quarterbacks get knocked down on their ass. And, you know, we've got Aline McNeil, Levi, Brockers, Aquara, you know, we can get to the quarterback. So if we can make some inroads and cut through that offensive line, that's our route to victory. Because, you know, we we know that um, Shanahan just, just doesn't protect his quarterbacks. And that's the thing, you know, we've prepared to defend the run this year. Obviously, it was terrible last year. It's been terrible the last few years. Teams have ran all over us, but now we have a thoroughbred nose tackle and anyone who's watched McNeil's footage, he's mm. one of the best run stuffers that came through in this draft mm. period. You know, I did the review on him tape-wise and just time after time after time he stopped that running. He's going up against a new centre. I know, obviously, the centre they've got now is an experienced guy, but he's new in that system. You know, there is a chance for McNeil to stuff the middle of that pitch there. And as we say, we've got guys like Levi. He is designed to get into the backfield and cause havoc. And you've seen what he did in the last preseason game. He did exactly that. You know, he was able to shut the run down. We've got the guys in the secondary who we've bought in. Barnes. Barnes is there to stop stop the run. These are players we've not had for the last few years. And Keep the church going. Let's go. Keep the church going, Anthony. Exactly. Barnes exactly. Is, hang on, justify that. Barnes is there to stop the run. This is a very undersized linebacker who's proven so far that the run is his weakness and that coverage is where Quite he Quite the excels. opposite. So you Quite watch... So, He's actually a really really good run defender. If you watched him in college if, and you pitch it to the college film, the run-stopping ability is exactly why they brought him in. He's a 100% a run-stopping linebacker who has learned to manage his uh, coverage skills and abilities. But if you go back to the games, even in the games in the preseason, you see where he's able to scrape and scrab and, and, and first read, first reaction, get back there and make plays. He's definitely a run-stopper. Plus, the film in preseason that people don't pay attention to, that they don't look at, that they're not focused on, it told me a lot of things, starting with um, – 
McNeil and starting with Levi, which Anthony's 100% right. You look at those two players, they were never pushed off the line of scrimmage. In fact, they pushed people back past the line of scrimmage. And then you go through and you look at people like Burns, who will be the run-stop defender out there, who can run and cover that. I'm telling you, it's it's a difference in this team. And people like Jamie Collins, who's been used to slacking, has to step it up. The biggest part of this game is going to come down to a lot of those new names and they will prove their worth in game one against the 49ers exactly and you know the tape we watched when we did Barnes is probably wasn't the best tape pick because he was playing as a defensive tackle then I believe they put him in for some reason and he didn't work there but there's just so much tape of him finding the gaps in offensive lines and he's through them and he's into the backfield causing habit that is that is the one thing I loved about him when we picked him and, you know, to stop a team like the 49ers, you have to stop them before they get to the line of scrimmage. You have to stop these plays developing. And these guys here will do that. Yes, they are raw, and this is all a hypothetical situation. But, you know, theoretically, they have the skill sets to pull this off. That is there, and it's something we've not had in a long time. So it's absolutely possible that we can get there and stop it. Because if you force them to result to, resort to Jimmy Garoppolo... You saw in the Super Bowl, like with Goff, he crumbled under pressure. He can't deal with it. He's carried by that run game. So I would say that Shanahan actually crumbled because you know what? Garoppolo through the playoffs actually showed that he can throw the ball, but then came the conference championship in the Super Bowl and Shanahan abandons Garoppolo. Shanahan's bottle went. And actually Garoppolo showed that he can pass the ball quite well. I mean... I'm not going to go out there and say that he's Patrick Mahomes. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I will say that he's a better horse fan than people give him credit for. His problem has always been availability rather than quality. He's okay. He is... But is him, he versus than... Goff, him versus Goff is such a hard comparison. I know I've seen on Luke Gee's Discord people laughing at the fact that people think that Garoppolo is a better horse fan than Jimmy G. But a lot of the reason why people think that Goff is better is because Jimmy G is never on the field. It's not about what he's like when he is on the field. But, yeah, but, see, but he was, when he's on the field, it's nothing to write home about. Like there's, it's not like he's doing something above anybody else. He's not doing anything above a Dak Prescott. He's not doing anything above hell. He's not doing anything above some of these rookies like Mac Jones. Oh, like, Dak Prescott, his, though. Exactly. Come on. But, but he's, he's 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 not better than him. He's just not. But he's doing exactly the same as what Jared Goff did. For everyone who slates yeah. Jared Goff for how he plays, Jimmy Garoppolo is nearly the exact same. So we can't slate Goff and then say yeah, Garoppolo's Anthony, we amazing. Just, we just you you just won't hear me slag off Goff. Yeah, but th- that's the thing, though. It's, <laughs> I, I you don't can't, think, can't do one for the other. I don't think Garoppolo's ever put a season together like Goff did in 2017 and 2018. Exactly. I think if, you, if you check the stats, I think Goff outthrows him. And I think CJ Beathard got a better overall PFF, PFF grade over six games. They played a piece last year. He, he outplayed him. And he's so, just a solitary backup there. But that's where you get, if you force this game onto Garoppolo and stop that run, you know, they have just as much chance as flaming out as we have if they put Goff under pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. So to answer that question, the problem with Jimmy G, as I've said before, is his availability. So when he first joined San Francisco, he won his first, I want to say six games in a row. And he had a PFF grade of 87. And he was one of the reasons why that team was winning. And I want to definitely put that out there because he had a very, very good run. was super accurate, threw the ball down the field really well, was actually protected quite well as well, 
which is something San Francisco hasn't had since that 2017 season. He then had the most snaps he's ever had in 2019, was 1,232 snaps. He's never played a season where he's had more than 351 snaps otherwise. I mean, that, that's the massive difference. He's only had one season where he's played more than 351 snaps. And in that season where he played loads of snaps in 2019, he played okay. He played pretty well. But he wasn't the reason why San Francisco were winning. He's proven he can. It's like every player on San Francisco's team. He's proven he can do it, but it's not likely that he will. I just, I just, it just blows my mind how we we forget these small things, right? Like he played a full season in 2019, had had almost had 4,000 yards, almost had 27 uh, touchdowns and 13 interceptions, right? And 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 I'm and I'm not trying to downplay him by no stretch of the imagination. I want to be clear about this. He was only sacked 36 times, right? With those numbers, they had a good defense, but they ran the hell out of the ball in that time period, right? And and that to many people is acting as if though he plays really well. Stafford has those same numbers, and most fans say that's ridiculous. Golf has those same numbers, and they say, oh, it's not really that good. Yeah, it's exactly the same player. And the difference is, is this, you just simply have to look at the team objectively and say, am I really worried about a Jimmy Garoppolo? No, 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 you're not. You're not. You're you're absolutely right. You're right. And there's lots of chat in YouTube to that effect. I I can attest. Sorry, Steve. I I was just going to say, like, I'm I'm beginning to kind of... um, I'm beginning to suck down on the hopium pipe with all this chat about uh, the, <laughs> the Levi, about the Lions defense. But can we just talk a bit about the 49ers going forward? Because I think probably one of the stats that's most concerning is the 49ers were had the most yards after the catch last season. And then most of that was down to Samuel. Go I, was on, to, I was about to say, well, that's because he had minus seven yards before the catch no but i mean in, in terms of in terms of like samuel's performance i mean he had a good season last season obviously kittle but so the question is who who's going to step up and stop stop them from our secondary well the answer to that is simple and it really is simple you cut the head off the snake because they're still going to be a run first team so samuel can do what he do what he did last year he had a pretty decent year like not too many people's going to argue with that but I think it was the way that they were utilizing him to get him out in the opening. But even with him having all those moments and stuff like that, you just simply you can bracket him in with 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 uh, disguise coverages. You can you can keep the, the corner and put him in press coverage. You can so many things you can do. The thing is, you just go take the head off the snake. They got to still pass the ball. They still got Lakeland Thomason. They got things going on over there that they got to try to figure out and adjust to and get fixed. And while they're trying to do all those things, I know one thing. We won't be rushing two, right? Because that was a Matt Patricia thing. We won't be rushing two. They consistently sent four to five guys through the preseason. These are little things that people are not looking at, but I'm looking at and saying, wow, he gets it. We're going to blitz more. He's not going to have the time to get the ball to Samuels. And if he do, I'm just going to tell you right now, if he do, then they're playing it to our hand because they need to run the ball. The moment they turn into a let's make Jimmy G the, the champion and let's pass the ball, we win 100% and we're going to win real convincingly because that's not their game. That's not what they're good at. That's not what they're about. And if they don't 
understand that and decide to do the same thing Kyle Shanahan always does, which is try to be the smart guy in the room like he did in the Super Bowl, they're going to play themselves and they're going to be foolish. And it's just dumb. Don't do that to yourself. Okay, they were 29th in, in, in passing attempts last year, 13th in yards. And then you go to rushing, they were second in attempts, second in yards. Stick to your game plan or just go ahead and get blew out by the Lions on the road. And Luke raises a really good point there. I don't, I don't think it's about not admitting that there are weaknesses here because, of, of course, there are weaknesses. But as Dan Campbell says, you've got to play to your mismatches, you've got to play to your strengths. Now, in someone like Debo Samuel's case, etc. They play a lot of screen passes. They get a lot out wide. They get him in room to run. And the reason he does so well is because their blockers are really good. Their tight ends, the tackles, they get out wide and they block. If your defensive line steps up, you know, we've put a lot of draft capital and money into this defensive line. That front seven, if they can win that battle at the line of scrimmage and stop these plays developing, that's how you take away the threat of guys like that. And we just have to play to our strengths, which is our defensive line. This is where the battle's going to be won against their offense. You've just got to stop the run and then start getting at that quarterback and just disrupt how they play the game. You know, we are going to struggle in our secondary against some of their quick guys. Stop them getting them in positions to make that damage then. That's where you have to go to win this one. Yeah, I, I think sense. the biggest challenge for me comes with the amount of misdirection that Shanahan throws. Mm. The, the fact that he does that, and he does that all the team, means that we're going to be aware that it's happening. But other teams have been aware that it's happening, and it still destroys them. And given how young this team is, and I, I want to preface this by saying I'm still picking the Lions to win, and I'm doing that, uh, trying to be as unbiased as I can be, which is not very, but this is going to require the Lions team to be extremely disciplined to read their keys and not deviate from what happens because their offense is actually quite simple. But it doesn't look like it, and it fools a lot of good teams out there. So as much as we can coach us into them, how smart do we think our players are? Like, I, I, I believe pretty, in pretty, them, but pretty it's, smart. It's, it's hard. You, pretty you smart. Me you mentioned it there. It's our coaching. You know, yes. this is not... Corey Underlin, you know, with Matt Patricia's hand up his ass, pulling yep. the strings for him. This is Aaron Glenn. This is a guy highly sought after in this league for his defensive prowess. And in Aubrey Pleasant, he has a technician guy backing him up. These are two guys that are going to drill into them, you know, discipline and determination. And those are the things we're looking for this year. And if you want to be able to fight against a scheme like this, they'll know exactly what's coming. They'll have them schematically exactly where they need to be now, obviously of course there's going to be problems but the coaching is a big plus for me this time this is why i'm more apt to believe that we could deal with this system whereas before there was not a chance we'd be able to I mean, let's face it you know like jelani tavai was confused walking on the field like doing up his cleats jelani tavai was confused <laughs> you know so Imagine if he'd have been playing in this game, but you know, we hopefully uh, the, the coaching is working, it's sinking in, all be ple pleasant. AG, they, they make coaching the players smarter, and you know, we're going to be ready for them because we always looked underprepared, we always looked undercoached last year, and you know, that's the big change that I want to see in the secondary. Yeah, plus, plus take it one small step further, right? So, you, you guys know I talked to that 49er fan yesterday, right? And when the show ended, he said, hey, he said, I don't know much about the team other than what they did last year. And I said, 
then scrap that whole view. I said, scrap it because that team is totally different. I said, if you go through and watch one game of them last year and look at one preseason game, you clearly see the offense is playing faster. They're more in position to make the play. Hell, Will Harris looks more impressive. That scares me. And he goes, well, what other players did y'all draft? And he said, he said, because who you guys got? And I said, well, we got Levi. We got McNeil and we got Burns. He said, well, who are these guys? And I showed him the film of the actual preseason games. And he went, how in the hell are we not talking about this on our media? And I said, because they want you to believe that the Lions is this dead horse that you can beat. But you're going to realize quickly that that horse has got a little buck in it. It's going to kick your ass come Sunday. Pardon my French. And that's the thing. They didn't exactly draft that impressive either. None of their top three draft picks are starting this game. You know, mm-hmm. our three will be because we've got, you know, we've got bona fide starters there. They didn't draft too well. Yes, they've got a good first team, but we have far more younger talent here available. And obviously it's a big ask for it to come through now, but you never know with the coach and what it can do to a team and its talent. A lot of these guys are second, third year guys who've been around. Their development can be quicker at this point. We might have more starters than that. Melifon, we might be starting, I guess. I guess all but... You know, Barnes, if, if Barnes potentially starts, then there's only Jefferson, who's not a starter. Now, it may say that our depth isn't as good, our starters aren't as good, but still, there's questions in that San Francisco side, and they didn't draft any starters straight away. Not not one, not one three of, of their top three will be starting. They're all backups. Yeah, I was listening to the Pride of Detroit um, podcast, and they were talking about the fight that this team are going to show for the coaching staff or how much they apparently like, and it came across really well during um, OTAs and training camp, how much they love Dan Campbell, and it's not a bit that they're doing, that like they're going to go out there and die for him. And they were talking about how it felt when um, Patricia came along, and they were saying, oh, well, when Patricia gets his first win, is anyone even going to clap? Whereas they're saying, well, when when Campbell gets his first win, you want to be in that locker room seeing what that reaction is going to be. And if that's how people feel right now, they're going to run walls through walls for this guy. And I know that's that horrible quote that people roll out where they want to say, oh, they really like him. But I genuinely think that it's, I, I won't say literally, but I don't mean literally, but it's actually true that these guys love what's happening. And that might get an extra 2% out. I really hope so, because I think it's going to take that to win from every single guy on the field. Well, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, the Jets took down the Rams last year when they didn't look like they'd win a game for 10 years with that team. I know this is all speculation, but, you know, the teamwork and the coaching give a lot that people don't see. There is a noticeable difference in this team next year. There are a lot hungrier. We were double-digit points down in two of the preseason games, and yet they fought back till the very last play to come through for them. So there's an attitude change. There's a culture change. You know, there's going to be a, an expediting of you know people's talent. They're going to actually realise the talent this time. And if anything, just keep the tact. You know, keep the tactics right. Because against someone like Shanahan, just stay strong, stick to your game plan. You've got every chance of winning a game against them. And the other big change is going to be these rookies are going to be coming into their first game and they're going to walk down the tunnel and they're going to hear the noise of that crowd. And, you know, that's really going to get them pumped. And you would imagine that the atmosphere is just absolutely going to be jumping at Ford Field. So, you know, that that really gives us like a bit of an edge to start with. And everybody has written us off 
There's, there's yeah. even most of our own fans aren't giving us a chance in yep. this one. Everyone from Jared Goff trying to prove that he wasn't just a lackey for, you know, Sean McVay, that he's his own guy, that he can play well. All the guys in that team, the receivers who have been told they're all rubbish and no good, you know, the team in general, everyone having a go at Campbell in the national media, you know, everyone has written us off, whereas we're just like, no, we're going to get to work and we're going to get on with it. And by hell, we're going to surprise a lot of you. Do not come into this pitch. You know, do not come to Ford Field and expect you're going to walk over us because if you do that, you're going to lose. So yeah. th- there was a guy talking uh, in, the, in the YouTube chat saying, can we talk about the wide receivers? So I actually thought it might be a good idea just to go quickly through position by position talking about each team because okay. that maybe gives it a bit more structure. So we've talked about Jimmy G. Let's talk about Jared Goff. And I know that Ram's house is probably going to crucify whatever I say on Goff. So I've got to pass it over to Luke <laughs> to, talk about, to talk about Jared Goff because he's talked a lot with Ram's house. What do you think Goff's going to do in this game, man? I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. When you when you look at the Lions receiving core, are there unknowns? Yes. But there are good unknowns. And the reason I say there are good unknowns versus bad unknowns is because I've seen on film why the receivers we have are here. On top of that, the incentive to get paid or a bigger contract for long-term is another added bonus to them to be better than what I've seen on film. When I go over to the 49ers, we know what Debo Samuel is. We know what Brandon uh, Ayuk is. Um, and hell, I mean, we pretty much know what Richie, Richie uh, uh, James is. The problem that I think that we are overlooking or understand, uh, mis, misrepresenting when it comes to the receiving cores of both these teams is they're identical. They both are unproven. They both have people that should flash and, and should have and should have some success. Um, but for the most part, they are the same freaking receiving core. There's nothing special about our receiving core. There's nothing special about theirs. They got a good tight end. We do too. They got a phenomenal fullback. We got an underrated, okay fullback. But for the most part, they're the same. And my attitude to it is, is the moment we start to realize that there were more parts missing from that receiving core on their end where we know what they are because they added Muhammad Sanu. We know who he is. He was on our team. So when it comes to this receiving core, for me, it's a watch. It's the deadlock. They're the same group. And the quarterbacks have to prove themselves. That's why I believe this game is going to be the battle of the ground game. Yeah. And let's let's add the fact that I think we've got a pass-catching threat in the backfield that's better than the 49ers in DeAndre Swift. Williams can do it as well. That's the thing. You've got so many versatile weapons here to utilize. It's not just the receivers, but Luke said, you know, the one thing with these receivers, this is not a washed up old unit of veterans looking for one last paycheck. These are young guys for the most part. Some of them who've not even been given a chance on a team yet, who have everything to prove. Trinity Benson, you know, Kaderil Hodge, Amon Ra, Quintez, you know, 
the league can't have passed judgment on these guys yet because there's just not seen enough of them play. But as Luke said, that is the bonus for us. We don't know what we're going to get just yet. But these are guys with everything to prove and not just a guy looking for a paycheck who's just going to do nothing for us. Just moving back to, to Gott. There was the preseason game where, I think it was the first one, um, he went three and out, almost got picked on the first play. But then he went on that drive, 15 plays, 70-odd yards, ended in a field goal. I, I, that, that drive was extended by penalty, I think, once, maybe even twice. But what I saw was so impressive in that drive. There was that lovely ball he threw to Tyrell on the left-hand sideline. He showed poise and composure that I hadn't seen from him last year. And that was only in preseason with, you know, a couple of guys not in. Perhaps his chemistry isn't quite there with people. And he still looked like he was about it. If Goff has to throw the ball, I'm okay with that. I know we've been talking about the ground game. I know we think it's going to be one there. And I've said as much in the article that I've got coming out probably straight after this. It's going to be one on the ground. It's going to be one in the trenches. But Goff can win this game for us. And the thing is, Goff knows the 49ers. He spent his entire career playing against them. Now, if the Rams are going to be all uppity and go, oh, yeah, Jared Goff was nothing here. This was all Sean McVay. Um, then Goff is going to have been sat around with this tactical mastermind who understands how Shanahan plays, learning about how to deal with it, about what's coming. He's going to have inside knowledge as to what goes on here. And I don't think you can understate when you're in a league playing it, but you know, Rams fans are so keen to tell us that McVeigh is be-all and end-all, so he's learned about the tactics of the best. And even if he hasn't, he knows how they play. It's just, it's invaluable when it comes up to these matchups because the Lions won't have come across them in a while. Yeah, we're talking about Jimmy G versus Goff. I mean, let's not forget, you know, in his second season, 2017, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions for Goff. Following year, 32 TDs, 12 interceptions. Yeah, he threw for nearly 5,000 yards, 4,688 yards that season. Like, Goff can do it. Goff's proven he can do it. I don't think Jimmy G's ever come anywhere near that. So, you know, we know what Goff is. We know what his ceiling is. And all that Anthony Lynn needs to do is unlock that. He needs to work out what schemes does he need to run to bring out the best in Goff. Because if he can do that, Goff's got the ability to make those kind of numbers. So, you know, it's, a, it's, it's all on Anthony Lynn. But, you know, with Swift and Williams in the backfield, with Hawkinson, you know, my, my one worry is that Warner is such a good coverage linebacker that he could just cover Hawkinson out of the game. But Then, you know, then they lose. Then they lose because yeah. now you took your best guy who's going to run with a tight end, and now we can hit, hit DeAndre Swift. We can hit... Uh, yeah. All these other running backs at the backfield. So if they do that, it's a mistake on their part because now you're going and now you're giving up the mid game to Amon Ra St. Brown. So if they do that, shame on them. And if, you know, in fact, do it. And, do it. And I think we've all overlooked the fact that the 49ers defense has lost their leader. They've lost their defensive mastermind this summer. You know, Salah's yep. no longer there. And you saw during games just how much that defense looked up to him. Every play, they were with him, cheering with him. He was an absolute centerpiece of that. That wasn't Shanahan. He's offensively gifted, not defensively. Exactly. And that's and, another element. Yeah, exactly. And a coaching scheme changes everything. I know they've hired from within, but 
you're not going to replace Robert Sala for Robert Sala, the fire and energy he brought to that side. He's like Aaron Glenn there. And let's not forget who they have brought in to help that defense as the DB coach, none other than Lions legends Corey Unlin. <laughs> can, can, can Matt Patricia's arm stretch that far? Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, oh. if we if we being objective though about Jared Goff, and I I I I, I do my research, so if we being objective about Jared Goff, Jared Goff versus the 49ers out of 10 games is three and five. Two games he didn't play, right? Um, the first one he didn't play was his rookie year because they just sat him for the first half of the season. Uh, and he didn't play, and he had Jeff Fisher, so We're just going to watch that. And then the last one came in the year, I believe it was 2017, where he set out week 17, uh, or was it week? No, matter of fact, I'm sorry. It was week 16, because we haven't had 17 games yet. It was week 16 he set out. So he's three and five against the 49ers overall, if if you're doing this record for quarterback stuff, because I find the record for players to be ridiculous. However, in in games that Jared Goff has played, on opening day with his team, the Rams, the Rams are whopping 4-0 and with Jerry Goff at quarterback. That's including all their seasons. He's 4-0. They have an average of 32.25 points when Jerry Goff is played on opening day. 32.25 points. Jerry Goff's team has scored more points then a genius Kyle Shanahan's offense, who only can manage 21 if you throw in there one win. So if we're doing the numbers game, we're playing this game, and we're talking about keeping it objective, the numbers still support that Jared Goff can get it done. And the receiving core that Jared Goff did it with, if you want to tell me Brandon Cooks was so special, I'll laugh at you, but okay. He's done it with makeshift receivers. He's never had a tight end like T.J. Hawkinson. That's never happened. Now, obviously, Ty Gurley's a different beast. Now he got a DeAndre Swift. And so I think if we just keep it objective, Jared Goff record within the division his entire career is 15 and 11. So it's not like this guy is just some pushover, some type of, uh, walk by night fly guy that you can just count out. The team made a decision when it came to trading for him for a reason, and it's because there's a purpose behind the logic of having somebody who understands how to win. And that's what you're going to get from Jared Goff, and that's what I think you're going to see. I think he's going to continue his opening day winning streak and move that thing to 5-0. and So do you think that we're going to blow them away then? If they come out doing what most people think they're going to do with making Jimmy G this hero, yeah, we will. But I think we'll win by like seven, seven points. Okay. Okay. I mean, I can definitely see it happening with Goff. He looks like he's actually pretty confident right now. Whenever I've seen him go out there, he looks like he's in command of what he's doing. He's not phased by the by the difficulty of joining a new team and getting that chemistry with these guys. He looks like he's there. Um I do think that our quality is perhaps thin, so I worry down the season how things might go if injuries do start to affect us. But opening day, we're looking pretty healthy. I've got a lot of hope for this game, for sure. I do think our D-line is going to be the difference. I'll talk about it in my article, but 
the, our front five, our starting five, or perhaps our starting six, if you want to sub in Williams and Onzuike, which I think is going to happen, they are all built to win one-on-one. Like, San Francisco are going to have to bring Kittle and have him predominantly as a blocker, because that front five is going to be electric up front. Yeah, and I think the thing that we forget is that, you know, teams have just run all over us for like the last two or three years. They've absolutely just trampled straight through the middle, uh, you know, uh, of us. And they're not going to be able to do that with Aleem and Levi and Brockers. They're not going to be able to do that. And that takes away like a big chunk of like their offensive options. So, you know, and, and yeah, that's a, a good point. If Kittle is going to be blocking more than he's available to be catching, that again takes, you know, another weapon away from them. And that's the thing that gives me a bit more optimism about this game. If we were facing an all-round side whom, if you stop the run, can still hurt you big time in the passing game, they have the options there, then, you know, you're in trouble because both sides of the ball, the secondary and the front line, then they're not all going to, you know, improve at the same rate as one another. But, you know, when you take the running game away from San Francisco, they become ordinary. And that is when we can beat them when we take away the run game and they become ordinary, that's our chance. Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying that we can win this, but I always go into games thinking, how can we win? Is there a route available for us that if it happens, we can win a game? Because I'm not just going to be negative all season and say, we're going to lose, 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 lose. I want to look at how we can win this game. And we can, because they're just simply nowhere near as good in their passing game as they are when they're running it. And we've got the players to stop the run and level the playing field. That's where I'm coming at with my more optimistic view of this one. Yeah, I've, I've predicted a loss. And I'm talking myself into a win here. I'm actually talking myself into a win. How the fuck is this happening? It's very what? fucking possible. Just let it happen. Let it happen. <laughs> let it sink in. Let it all soak in. It's, 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 it's totally natural. It's like breathing. Just let it happen. It's very natural. Because the truth is, it's this. The more you look at this game objectively, the more you line up the matchups, the more you start to see the history, the more you understand that it's favoring the Lions. And there's one deciding factor that we cannot overlook. And you're going to see it tonight. Watch. Who's the home team tonight between the, 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 the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cowboys? It's the Bucks, right? Yeah. Uh, Bucks uh, home, yeah. Okay. Watch the crowd. Watch the crowd. I want you to take it all in. Watch how that crowd acts. Don't just give me the excuse that that's them coming in from a Super Bowl win and blah, 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 and it's Tom Brady. No, no. This has been like this at Little League's game. I watched the Little League baseball team from this great state of Michigan, and the fans were damn near disrespectful. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> watch the crowd. Accept the truth right now because I'm telling you, that factor is going to change everything. It's hard to win a game when you can't hear they're gonna they're gonna leave with a headache. I guarantee you, they're gonna leave with a headache. One from the ass we're gonna give them, and two from the crowd just being so loud they could not hear the snap count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it a lot, lot harder, a lot, lot harder. I just, I'm so pumped by this front seven. I mean, I hope the secondary can do it. And you know, we've talked about the facts. We've mentioned about the Will Harris has really come on, but this front seven, including Collins and Barnes. And Barnes is obviously not starting this game, although he should. Anzalone is going to be wearing the green dot, which is not a good thing for us. But this front seven is so impressive. It's exciting. I really think that Collins is going to do the business this year because of the people he has around him. And Uncle Jamie. 
Uncle Jamie. If, if we could get him playing, because he has all the physical talent in the world, and he has everything up here as well. It's his attitude which needs to change. But with everyone around him acting like they do, with the way that MCDC carries himself, if Collins can start being the leader that he is meant to be, this is going to completely change our season. That's the thing. The line's critical. What were the two things we sucked at on defense last year? The run defense, because the line couldn't get any penetration. And the pass you defense. Know, hold its black. Well, that's the thing. You know, It was the run game predominantly, which ruined us for a lot of the time, because the D-line could not get any penetration, could not stop the run happening. But on the occasions where we did, they weren't able to get any pressure on the quarterback in the passing game. So the secondary got torched. That line is absolutely pivotal to how this defense plays, and we didn't have it last year. Now we have the opportunity to be able to affect the run game and therefore save ourselves in the pass game. Yeah, yeah. We, can't, we, can't, we can't allow QBs to come into Ford Field and have seven, eight, nine seconds to throw the ball. Cannot yeah. happen. You see guys like PJ Walker come in and you know, he's never played a game before, but he's got so much time and a little mobility. Even if we did get even a little close to him, he's mobile enough just to move out the pocket and get his throw away. You know, you've got bog standard pocket passes coming at us every week, making them look elite. We made PJ Walker look like Peyton Manning. It was fucking embarrassing. I we, tell make you what, Kirk, we make it, Kirk Cousins look good every year, which that, that's an indictment in itself. We make Mitch Trubisky look good. I tell you what I'm looking for in this game, though, is if this happens, I will lose my shit. On stream, we're going to do a watch party, and I will lose my shit. If I see San Francisco drive down to the two-yard line, and then they have a bootleg out to the right where the fullback catches a touchdown in the flat. If that happens, because it happens every fucking game, <laughs> I will lose my shit. Like, I don't care how you give up a touchdown most of the time, because... It's going to happen in games, but that's a play that we have not been able to stop for years. And I don't know what more I can say. I got good news for you, Matt. Uh, go to the Pittsburgh Steelers game that we just had in the preseason. I want mm -hmm. you to just look at one Mr. Derek Barnes, right? I want you to watch that same exact play get called and how quickly he snuffed it out like a $2 prostitute on a good night. Okay. He had no issue I getting to that play without no conflict there was no traffic for him he was like a unnatural human being and i believe it was you gentlemen who called him a heat seeking missile he is exactly that he is something that is different in so many ways it's beautiful and you cannot uh you know do anything opposite of it i think we are starting to see that there that the joy and the excitement of having competent coaching to go with players who can understand it is is making things different now really quick because i gotta say this we got 58 people in this chat i see 37 thumbs up and i know that we can do better than this i know that we can have the roar of this pride getting so much bigger and so much better show your love if you have not subscribed to this channel shame on you i'm getting everybody kneecaps clipped Every single one of them, we're biting off kneecaps for not subscribing. But if you have subscribed, then I want to hug you because we love you and we appreciate the support. If show, you have show already, us some $2 love. We want to see some $2, some $2 love. love. That's right. $2 love, man. Tr Listen, true story. That happened to me. I got a proposition from a, a prostitute for $2. And I was like, the fact that it's even that cheap, I don't even want it. But that's cool. Totally happened. But if you are here... 
please, we got 60 in the chat. We got 40 in there. I just want to get us to 50 before we get off this show. And if we get above 50, you guys are rock stars. A pre- 350, now that's just two. That, you just being greedy. <laughs> just being greedy. 350, she said two. Quit trying to raise the... We're going to leave that alone. We're leaving that one alone. I just want I just want one more sub. Just one more sub to get us to 250. That would make me well, very, very well. Happy. We are at we are at 250. I think we are we are over it. Really? I, yeah. that would make me very, very happy. Yeah, yeah. We're oh. gonna we 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 trying to we trying to get them subs up. Hit them likes up. Go Lions is putting out there. My man Tom Wilkinson says Lou G is a true legend. I'm I appreciate it. I'm humble and I I really do. It's hard as hell to watch football and take emotions out of it and leave it to just the facts, hard information and leave it objective. I mean, hell, I got Steve ready to take the pipe, right? He didn't even want to do it. He's like, hey, I'm taking the hopium. It's going down. I think I'm talking myself into it. Do it. Get it done. Let's have fun, people. We got a game coming on tonight. We obviously want to make sure we get y'all a show today, but get out of here so y'all can still watch that game. And you already know what's coming next, right? We got more lines to talk about, whether it be on my channel or their channel. You're going to get great content every step of the way, and that's exactly how it should be. Besides, if at all, nothing else, you can at least come to my Discord. You can talk to all of these gentlemen, but not Steve, because if you talk to Steve about hip-hop, he's going to make you feel real small. He is not human when it comes <laughs> to hip-hop. I don't know what the hell. Way too much time on his hand, but he knows his hip-hop, so... Make sure you show some love. Make sure you hit that like. Get them subscribers up. And, and, and you know, let's just show what the Pride Nation can do. Now, here's my challenge to you, Pride Nation. I'm putting it out there right now. When the Lions win, and they will, when the Lions win, this channel needs to be at 300 subs. I know we can do it. When they win, I want you to go get your burner account, your other account, I want subscribers. We want the numbers up, and I know you can do it. If they lose, feel free to come in the chat. I'll take a full-fledged shit show, and you can have whatever day you want with me, all at my expense. See? It doesn't cost you anything. You get to have a joy, and they get to keep creating great content. So show some love, show some support, and let's get this thing going. I know we can roar louder than that. We got 42. We almost at 50. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and one thing that's most important, hit that bell. Just say to SW Lion, um, he said, Roll the Lions, Luke G, just take over from the primetime guys on 97.1. And I say to you, sir, we will be hated on 97.1. They don't tune in for us. <laughs> they don't tune in for us. They want yeah. to feel the hate because that's what drives the people that listen to 97.1. And that's okay. Yep. Those people exist and they need feeding just as much as our fans do. But I'm I am comfortable talking to you guys right here. I th- I think we should call our radio channel sixteen point one in honor of the Lions' record this upcoming season. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love it! I love it! <laughs> I love it! He said sixteen point one. I ain't mad at it. I, I can tell you this much. Um, <laughs> I I was doing a breakdown. I was doing a breakdown worst, literally yeah. last night of some film uh, that I was going to show tomorrow. Um, and I need to find one more clip because there's one clip I really, mm. whoo, I really want to show y'all this clip. And so I was doing some film study and I was looking at the defense of the 49ers, right? And I realized something that I think if anybody who watched the film would see it, they'll, excuse me, they'll see it too. If you call a screenplay, 
you really only got to block one player. For some reason, they suck when it comes to the screen. Like, I've seen screenplays call, and they look like they just so used to just going up the field. It gets them so much. And then the only one who's usually there to make the play is Fred Warner. If you just block that one dude, you can kill them all game with the screen if you want to pass it. Who do you want receiving the screens? Who's your screen guy? Well, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to sound crazy, but it would be Khalif Raymond. I will put no, his that doesn't in, sound crazy at all. I will put him in the backfield and say, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Because if you come up, we just we, we audible into this play and we hit it. And plus, if you listen to Aaron Glenn uh, talk, he has been 100% excited for this. He, he can't stop talking enough about how excited he is and why he uh, is ready for this game. And I know if he's ready for this game, those players are going to be ready for this game. I promise you that. So get ready for it. I I just, a lot of people was like, hey, you got a lot of confidence. And I'm like, yeah, I I do. I'm picking them to win. I've been saying it. And I I actually picked the Lions to beat the Cardinals. And then they end up freaking tying. And I was like, now this, and that ticked me off. It ticks me off. I see what I see, but I I can't help it when you got a coach like Patricia. We don't have that no more. And I, I really feel confident. I really feel confident in our coaching staff. And so you should too. I, just, I think our backfield is completely, if you're going to move on to the backfield, it's completely underrated by a lot of teams here. Like say we have two top running backs in Williams and Swift who are dual threat guys. You have a guy like Khalif Raymond who you can throw the screens out to, throw the trick plays in there. Jamar Jefferson, he brings his own play to it. He's, he's perfectly receivable as a, you know, he's perfectly acceptable as a receiver, but he's also great at exploiting the gaps in a line if you can create them. There's a lot of options in our backfield to play around with. And I don't think people are taking that into account. It's all about Shanahan's trick plays. What about us? Dan Campbell loves to get the mismatches there. And we've got so many guys we can put in there mm-hmm. to create those mismatches. So for can, me, I, can I point something out really mm-hmm. quick? Yeah, I just want to point something really quick. I, uh, this, this is because my man's um, speak easy. He was talking about how the 49ers won one more game than the Lions. Be, and they did that with multiple injuries because, you know, he's like, hey, Shanahan's a genius. And I'm like, oh, the Lions won five games with a complete idiot, a total rock. And yet we give them no praise. Let's put that's let's, 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 what's more impressive? Having the guy who we know is really good, which I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't the reason they won. They won because of Robert Sala's defense, which is why he's now a head coach for the Jets. Sala's gone. This is the same head coach who had a lead in the Super Bowl and said, forget running the ball for two quarters. I, why are you afraid? You know, why, why be concerned? You just have to understand the matchups are there for us to win, and we will win it. But we have to start to say, we can't keep saying what they got and what they lost and what they didn't have. Let's talk about what it is that both teams have and lost and what they did. Because think about it. We didn't lose anything when we fired Matt Patricia, yet we still won five games. Nobody talks about that. And so I just want to make sure that we keep everything in perspective when when getting ready to prepare ourselves to watch this game if the season get going. Also, if you haven't joined the Pick'em League, it is up. Go check out my uh, community post. Go check out my Discord. Or go check out the last video I did. It's all linked there. You can still get in. You got up until five minutes before the game start to put your pick in. 
and you can get it. And if you just for some reason can't get it done, then don't worry about it. Uh, J-Mo missed three weeks and still beat me. I have no clue how in the hell this happened. <laughs> I was like, how did I pick this? You know what? I was picking the Lions. I was picking the Lions in games and they were losing and that's how I lost. But just nonetheless, make sure you check it out 100%. Um, and just, I cannot thank y'all enough, for, you know, for being here and rocking with us. Don't go nowhere. We still got a lot to give you. Yeah, actually, so we've just launched a, a Pick'em League as well, and I'm probably going to join yours too, so I need to do that. But So I'm, I'm a massive fan of, and I'm a very biased, of NFL Pick Watch. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's something that gets referenced a lot by the NFL now as they're getting more popular. But it's actually run by a friend of mine over here in the UK. He's thinking of moving to the States. But effectively, the, the, the idea behind the website is that they aggregated and found out what all the experts and all of the beat writers were predicting for all of the games. And then they aggregated that. So it gave you a kind of better line than Vegas would give you. And then you can mm. pick against these guys and see how you do. Last season, the best, sec- sorry, the sixth best expert picker was Pride of Detroit's Jeremy Reisman, which mm. I think is quite interesting. Um, he didn't know it when I told him because I'm in their their Discord as well, and I was like, "Oh, Jeremy, you're like sick. You're shit hot on this." He picked 186 to 82 for 69.4 percent straight up last mm. year. That is sick. I want to um, bring up what I've done over my five years of being on this website because I've got my record here. I am 736 for 424 and six ties. It's 63.4%, which I think is a pretty good straight up record. But I'm not even going to look at mine from last year. You're not going to embarrass me on your show today with that. I know I did (laughs) really bad. Uh, There were three teams that let me down big time. And and I'm not, I've never, the Patriots, the Lions, and ironically, the last team that let me down was the Steelers. They still finished with a winning record, but they lost some games to some horrible teams. And I was like, you make me sick. <laughs> I never recovered. I'm not going to embarrass myself with my with my, my percentage, but it's okay. So, it's okay. I, I, so the, one of the really funny things about this is how biased you are and how much it shows you up. I am only 50-50 on the Lions on picking them because I just want them to win so much that I pick head over heart. But the team <laughs> that I can pick the best is the Cleveland Browns, and it was just because they were so bad for so long that picking them to lose was just like surefire bet every week. They want one and thirty-one, and I think I picked thirty-two losses, so it can't be that bad. But come and join us on that league. I've put the post out on Twitter on NFL Pick Watch. Um, it's free to enter. You can pick against up against us. That is going to be really fun all the way through the season. Um, let's bring it back to San Francisco and just kind of have a few closing thoughts, maybe, and 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 pick a score. For what it's going to be. So, okay. Steve, what what do you think is going to be the the very final key to this game for you, and, and what do you think the result's going to be? Um, I think there's a couple of one-on-one matchups. I think it's what they do to to nullify Hawkinson, what we do to nullify Kittle. Um, I think we're going to stop their run game. Um, I just worry that, and I've picked us to lose. And I'm not going to change that pick, but what I'm going to say is it's going to be really close. And also, we're going to come out of this game with our heads held absolutely high. I think maybe it's going to be like one busted coverage and the secondary is going to like lose the game for us. Um, I'm saying 28-24 to the 49ers. Huh? 
All right. Did you say twenty eight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And pick it up. What do you think, man? Um, I've pretty much said well, most most of what I need to. I think this is a game won and lost in the trenches, and this is gonna, you know, reflect on how you know where we're at with it at the minute. So, say we've put a lot of draft capital in, we've put a lot of money in with Brockers, etc., coming in. I think if we can nullify that run game, then we give ourselves a chance, providing the offense can do enough to win for us. But you know me, I'm always on the side of optimism for these things. Like I say, I like to see a path to how we can win rather than just, oh yeah, they're better. We're probably going to lose. I like to, I like to be optimistic. So I think that we are to stop the run game. I think we're going to stop it enough that they have to start leaning on Jimmy. And I think the secondary is going to do just enough to be able to keep him at bay. And I think we'll be able to score just enough points to beat them. So I'm going 20 to 17 to the Lions. I think it'll be a narrow win. But I think everyone's completely underestimating us. I think we've got a new lease of life under Dan Campbell. We're going to see fight and determination that we did not see last year. They're not going to quit even if they are down. And I just think, you know, the wave of momentum will get us over the crest against the team that's, you know, a lot of these players are coming back from long-term injuries. Who knows if they're as good as they were before. It affects a team losing these guys for so long. So, you know, I'm going on the side of optimism. Three-point win 2017. How about you, Luke? Considering the fact that their highest point total on average is 21 and they're given four games of the season opener, I am going to go... A little bit different. I think the Lions need to have a magic number, and I think that number is 24. I'm going 24-17 Detroit Lions. And how 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 do we get that win then? What was the one thing that we do to them or they do to us that's gonna get us that win? We run the ball and stop their run. And they they their their run, Morissette is not um he's not a bell cow. And you, we could play this game of, well, we got Hastings. Well, okay, he's nobody to write home about. Um, like I said, the last time the Lions played them, they barely beat the Lions. I believe the score was 24-20. And that's because Matt Breda basically had a career day rushing down our throats. That won't happen this time. Okay, so let me finish up. For me, the biggest thing is that I think both rushing offenses are going to be effective. I think that San Francisco and the Lions rushing offense will be effective, and I think both passing offense are going to be fairly ineffective. I think they'll have a little bit of success through the air, but not much. I think that this is a game which is going to be decided by a couple of mistakes, pretty much as Steve said, but I'm leaning the other way. I think that a couple of the drives are going to falter in the end zone, so I see quite a few field goals happening as well. I think an uh, Siebert um, field goal wins the game 23 to 20. It's going to be a low scoring game because both sides are going to be running the ball. There aren't going to be many possessions, and we know Goff can marshal those long drives, and that's going to give us the edge. So I'm picking an arrow in three points. I think it's safe to say that if we do win, one of our front seven on the defensive line is going to be man of the match, if not several of them up for that candidacy. I think that's a given. I don't man think of the match. Can... Have you yeah. turned into your English Man of the soul? match. I have. <laughs> a player of the game. Or I'll pick my man of the match. And you, hey, get, a, I've you start, get a bottle I, of Carlsberg. I've started saying Arkansas right this week. Give me this. Uh, so, yeah. Give me this. Arkansas. But, yeah. 
Oh, one, one or two or three of the front seven will be in consideration well and above all the others if we win this game because that is where it's going to be won, quite frankly. So those guys who haven't listened to the College podcast yet, and if you haven't, why haven't you done that? It's awesome. Listen to the College podcast. But Ant has had a big problem saying Arkansas because he thinks, <laughs> oh, it's spelt Arkansas. It has Kansas what? in it. Why is it not said Kansas? Arkansas. And it's like, Saw, my, saw my... is S A W. You know that. <laughs> it's made my ears bleed. And America's sisters, you have to get it Our right. Kansas. Our Kansas. I never, you know what? Until you just said it, I had to look at it with my own. I'm like, it, uh, I, okay. <laughs> it does, it does like you might want to read it that way. But yes, it's mm-hmm. Arkansas. Arkansas. Yes. Hey, if if you also listen to my you know pronunciation of all the names over there, I do a lot of work on that. Thank you. You know some of the players' <laughs> names are nearly impossible, and I get them right every time. Yeah, uh, you're like John Motson, and no one's going to get that. Reference. Listen, we we got we still got uh, fifty people in the chat. We got forty five. Can we hit fifty? I need five more thumbs up. Five more thumbs up, and and I know we can get this done. I, I believe in the power of you. There's five of you in here who haven't hit that like button yet. I need five more. That's Steve. it. Not not much. Five more. Yeah, I, I I just want to just like as well just wrapping things up. Just talk a bit about the media because this week, man, this week I've been you know I've been totally hyped for the start of the season. So I've been reading stuff over breakfast on the internet, watching NFL Network. I've just been totally like soaking myself in football. And guess what? The media have been talking about Detroit all week. You know, we hardly get any coverage, but this week everyone's been doing their preview podcasts, their preview shows, and they've been talking about the Lions. And what have they been saying about the Lions? What I've heard this week is the Lions are worse team than the Houston Texans. Uh, who's the biggest draft bust of the year? Old Penny Saul. Who's going to be picking number one next season? the Detroit Lions. I've had to listen to all this shit for a whole week and people have just been not even hating on the Lions, laughing at the Lions. And, you know, I just absolutely hope in the first two or three games, we absolutely shove this back down the throats because we are not as bad as the Houston Texans. We're not going to be picking number one next year. Sewell is absolutely not going to be a bust. And we've had to endure all these stupid opinions. That absolute fucking incel, Daniel Kelly, who, you know, as I said on your podcast the other day, we just need to get the guy laid so he stops writing this shit about the lines. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just sick of it. So <sighs> let's just let's just see a real performance at Ford Field. Let's get let them put everything on the line because... We do not want to have this running joke about the Lions anymore. And, you know, if we get blown out like we did against the Jets three years ago, all we're here for the next couple of weeks is hating on the Lions. So I just want the team to absolutely kill it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said, you know, on Sunday, I'm going to be doing the Twitter stream for the game. And then after that, if we win, there is a list of names that are getting calls and are getting taken out for their trash views on us. I've got the list. I've got it ready to go and I'm going to spend all night calling out people on their terrible views of us. So that's what we're going for. All right. We got 48 likes, one thumbs down. We appreciate that support. You stayed there for that one. That's okay. 
Uh, nope, that one thumbs down is gone. We still appreciate it. 49 uh, thumbs up. We need one more for 50. I don't know if we can end this until we get to 50. Then again, hold on. They might try to keep us here. I don't know. I don't know. I could get Maybe. to a day. I could. Maybe. Can we get 50? One more. Somebody got it in them. I need one more. One more. Remember, we, when we win this game, this channel goes straight to 300. That's what it's supposed to do. I know we got it. Come on. We need one more. Um, now, why, you got why, any good, you got any go good jokes? Hey, listen. Hey, we, don't, we, don't need, we don't need thumbs down. All right, listen. Either way it go, I'm going to still give my good word because I think it is something that needs to happen. We we find ourselves in these positions quite often. And let me just be clear, people. Everybody who came over here to show support, to be a part of this pride, to grow this channel, to grow uh, this particular episode and to show support, shout out to you. You are real rock stars. You guys and ladies are 100% awesome. Um, I hope you are all like enjoying your day i hope the boss is not irritating you if you married to a wife or a husband and they get on your nerves i hope they leave you alone today whatever it is that give you peace i hope you find it here's my positive word for today you need to get used to and be okay with being alone there's nothing wrong with it the best part about being alone is understanding that there is a concept of self meaning that you get to learn somebody new yourself take time to find out who you are listen to your breath listen to your heartbeat listen to those thoughts every single thing that's in you that's moving around you feel it be in the moment and when you learn who you are unleash yourself from the world be great be special be bigger than you could have ever have been and make sure that those who are around you Feel that same love and energy so that they can continue that and spread it again. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not subscribed to this channel, I'm biting your kneecaps. It's just that simple. I'm eating them up. Dan Campbell gave me permission. He said it's cool. You heard him. We've taken a kneecap on our way up. He said it's fine. I'm biting kneecaps. But if you have, it's all hugs and love over here. 100% support. Pride Nation, you are amazing. You rock. And as always, don't be no chump. Please, please do your research. Any final words, boys, before we sign off? Just that we're really looking forward to this weekend. It's been a long time coming, and it's just going to be good to start off the Dan Campbell era because so, it's going to be a lot better than the last one. And so excited. It's yeah. kneecap season in the day. <laughs> and so, sorry, man. Now go on. No, no, no. So we are going to be doing a watch party. If you want to, you know, watch along with us, we'll probably either do that on Discord or Zoom. Hit us up on Twitter or in Discord and, and we'll share the details of that. Next episode will be the day after on Monday, 49ers review show. So go and check that out. And then the next College Football podcast is probably going live about now. And Yeah, the one for this week's just gone up. So you can uh, go and watch that now. It was an Absolutely stacked weekend in college football. I know me and Ryan stayed up till the early hours most days watching some big upsets, even a win that's taken 100 years in the making. So, uh, And a lot of the big draft picks didn't do so well. So the uh, mock draft boards are already getting a little shaken up. So plenty to go and see on there. So, yeah, do give us a chance if you can. It's, uh, it's new, but it's good. Can't wait to listen to that. The stats have been so great for it already. So it's been a great addition to 
to the stable of our podcast. Right, don't forget to follow us on our socials, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all Rural Alliance UK. We've actually allocated the different social media networks to an individual member of our group, and it means actually that each one's getting a lot more attention, so you should see us being a lot more active across all of our channels. The Facebook group as well as what is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. And I've just had my article go live on RoarTheLionsUK.com. Anthony Fitzpatrick, yes, sir. Sorry, I was just going to say before we finish, I just, you know, how grateful we are to you, Luke, to come on again. You've done ever so much for us on this podcast. And, you know, keep, you know, we just appreciate you so much. So thank you. Hey, man. No, I appreciate yeah, you inviting me, man. Look, I get more of a kick out of y'all because I cannot. Most y'all, y'all funny. I be laughing, especially when y'all have a disagreement. So I, I'm always <laughs> I'm always down to come on and be around people who I think are amazing and great and, and awesome at what they do. And you 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 guys are all awesome and great at what you do. So all the glory goes to you. Thank you, man. And just to all the people out there, get on the train now. Get on the hype train because we aren't accepting you next year. Get on the train now because the Dan Campbell Super Bowl train 2022 is leaving the station on Sunday. So get on that. Uh, subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. Giving you the socials. We'll see you on Sunday. Let's go, Lions. One pride. One pride. Hitting up that hoping bong. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>